so around the time that Sean Parker was putting money into Facebook, one of my friends actually worked at MySpace. And he was like, I think this company is going to kill us. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Ian Dunlop. Ian, are you ready to rock? Yes, I am. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we had a great chat just before we started this, so uh, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about you. So I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about your background. Ian Dunlop is an investor with one of the highest win percentages in the country and founder of Red Panda Academy. Through Red Panda, Ian teaches his blueprint for success to students who often have little to no experience trading. Using completely custom formulas, Ian is able to teach in 30 days what took him years to grasp. In December 2018, Ian celebrated his third highest day in trading, earning $56,000 US dollars in about two hours. Ian's passion for investing is rooted in his upbringing. Growing up in East Chicago, Indiana, he didn't come from an affluent area or a rich family. Perhaps what impacted him most was when a relative was taken advantage of by a dishonest investor. That's just the worst, Ian. I'm telling you, I literally get tears in my eyes just even reading that because so many people rip, you know, get ripped off and that's just awful. And through that experience, Ian witnessed the fear and distrust that can accompany investing. And, you know, when you think about that, I always think that, you know, many people don't trust investing at all and they have a right to because they don't know a lot about it and they've seen people ripped off or they've been ripped off. So absolutely, it's, it's a very real story. And so I appreciate you bringing that into your bio. So Ian, maybe take a, a minute here and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Um, I'm a dad. Um, so hi, Xander, if you're listening to this. Yay. Uh, th thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. I was telling you before we got started, the level of guests that you have on a podcast like this is absolutely amazing. So thank you for putting this together. But me, like I said, I'm a dad. Xander will be four in February. And my entire mission is just to help people understand how to invest better because when I was a kid growing up in Northwest Indiana, sadly enough, this wasn't in any of our schools. And 85% of the people, if you talk to them, are absolutely terrified on how to invest. In 2019, all the information that's there, it should not be this hard and there shouldn't be that many scams out there that takes advantage of people. So I want to open up tonight and share what was one of my worst investments mm. to tell you. Because you can have ups, of course, like December was great, but I've also made some boneheaded mistakes and I want to help people avoid those as well. Yeah, well, that's what this is all about because it's our losers that we learn so much learn from. from. Yep. Yeah, so that's great. Well, so now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Oh, man, I, I can tell a thousand of these stories. Before I get into the main one, one of the biggest ones was not investing early enough into the market. Mm -hmm. um, I got started late at 24. And the stock market is one of the easiest things to invest in. I always tell people, just buy index funds, hold them. Your children are going to need the money. You don't have to be the second coming of Buffett to make money. Just buy the S&P 500, the Dow, or the equivalent in your country. I got started late. That's why I'm so passionate about it. But 
the biggest investment mistake that I ever made, I was in college. So I went to one of my friend's rooms, Steve Gaskin. Hey, Steve, <laughs> if you're listening. I went into his dorm and he showed me the site. I'll tell you what it is later. And he was like, hey, have you heard of this? Are you on here? I said, maybe. He said, no, 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 no. If you were on it, you would know. We went to his dorm room. We were on 20 minutes. I signed up for an account. Great. Fast forward, I am in college. I end up spending maybe two to three hours on the site a day, which I should not have. <laughs> I began, uh, cause I was a party promoter at the time and I had another business. So I began running ads on the site. So I called one of my relatives. I said, listen, I don't call and ask you for anything. When I tell you this is the greatest thing I have come across in life, I'm willing to take the last of my money. If you will take some of your money, which he had a lot of it, invest in this company with me. And he was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like you're in college and mind you, this is 2005. So the environment for angel investing and venture capital was much different. And especially with me being, you know, young black kid, it's like, what do you know about investing in a technology company? I begged him, begged him, begged him, begged him, wouldn't do it. Tried to get other friends to do it. And then to keep a long story short, the $125,000 investment, which I would have put in 10,000 of my own, my 10,000 measly dollars from student loans that I had, would have turned into $26.4 million. And that company is what we know as the Facebook.com. <laughs> so around the time that Sean Parker was putting money into Facebook, one of my friends actually worked at MySpace. And he was like, I think this company is going to kill us. He's working there. And at the time, MySpace was the hottest thing. So this would be like if a new app was, you know, was going to take down Instagram. He's working at MySpace and he was like, listen, I know we have all the artists, all the kids are in here, but this thing that you're on is nothing like we've ever seen. Tried to get my family member to do it. And of course, every time that I'm on, I was just there for the holidays back home. And <laughs> he was like, yeah, I probably should have gave you that money that you wanted. But we all have stories like that. I, know I was listening to your other guest last night who said he could have invested with Jack Ma. Like we all have made some boneheaded decisions where it's like, well, if we would have just invested a little bit of capital, it would have changed our lives forever. So that's the worst. Mm. Best mistake. I, mean, I wasn't persuasive enough to get a family member to put up some money so we can invest in Facebook. Wow. Well, tell me, what lessons did you learn from this? Be more convincing. Also, for those of you that are entrepreneurs and investors in the market, you know that whenever you have a position that is true to your heart and you know that it's going to work, you may be the only person on the face of the earth that believes it, but you have to let your conviction carry you over. So like even with Michael Burry in the big short, when he saw that the housing market was going to crash, he invested heavily. The entire industry made fun of him. He was technically an outsider. And if you look at most industries, if you look at even advertising with David Ogilvy back in the early 1900s, he was an outsider. At one point, most of the top investors who run hedge funds now, they did not grow up in the industry. They kind of took a back road to get into the industry and formulated their own strategy. And that's how they became so effective. So the thing that I wish I would have done, I wish I would have been like, I'm going to follow up with you every week until you either get a restraining order or tell me yes. Because I was on the And mind you, in 2005, I was running ads on Facebook for $25 a week. And I was making thousands of dollars off of it. And so I already had proof of concept. So 
even if it just became as big as MySpace, it would have been a home run, but it turned into, you know, even though they're having issues now, one of the biggest tech companies in the history of mankind. Mm. I regret that I did not follow up more and did not make a better case for why he should have okay. invested. So. All right. Interesting. Now, let me summarize what I took away from your story and let me know if I missed anything. I think, you know, one of the things about your story is something that's often mention is that, you know, I went into Walmart many years ago and I should have invested, you know, I would go into it. Or another friend of mine had a written story he submitted to me to say, I was probably one of the first 100 Amazon Prime, you know, subscribers and users and I didn't invest in Amazon. Yeah. And I think that there's a real lesson there that as we experience businesses throughout our life to think about investing and, you know, who thinks about investing? Most young people aren't thinking about that. At all. Yeah. yeah. And that's for other people. That's for when you got money. That's for powerful people. Where No, investing can be done. The key, I think my first takeaway from your story is to investigate. Yeah. That's the first thing. When you see, you know, have your eyes open. And when you see a business that you think is interesting, investigate it. Ask some questions. Find out, could I invest in this? What would it take? You know, that type of thing. I think the second thing is that it's not enough to investigate. You have to act. Have to. (laughs) And that's the concept of action. And we have to, at some point, act. Now, the key thing is, of course, what I've learned in all the interviews and in my own experience is that you don't act without doing some research. You don't act without assessing the risk. But you were already, you know, in a sense, you had the proof of concept. So in a sense, you were doing some research on it. So you want to act. And the third part that I take away, and this is um, critical, and that is that when you act on an investment idea, understand that risk management concept of sizing your position. Matters so much. Correct. And so let's just say, you know, let's just say that someone has a hundred thousand bucks and they see a company, they really like it. You know, the natural inclination is just, I'm going to dump everything in it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what you probably want to do is, you know, ask, you know, investigate, ask all the questions that you need to do your preliminary research and then try to invest 10,000 bucks in it and get the step going of taking the action, but then size that position carefully. And I believe that to me, that's probably one of the biggest things that I take away from it. Of course, there's a whole other element of your story, which is, you know, how do you convince somebody to invest? And that's a very, very hard thing to, to do. That's particularly a task. Yeah. It's a lot. But if we look at this from those perspectives, that's what I would think is investigate, take action, but also size your position. So you go into something a little bit slowly. And I know, you know, from a trading perspective, you know, all about sizing positions. So is there anything you'd add to that? As you touched on risk management means everything. I would often even say, don't even worry about the game. Focus on if I lost this amount of money, would it hurt me? At the time I was in college, $10,000 wasn't going to cripple me because I was broke anyway. And the guy who, you know, family member who could have put up the money with me, that hundred grand would not have hurt him either. But it's also, I was young. And that's the reason why I'm so passionate about the market now, because I think even if, when I told my dad, when I was getting to invest and I said, did you know, if you would have put away $200 a month for me from the time I was one years old to 30, 
we would be able to split at least 500,000. My dad had tears in his, now my dad has been in business 25 years. Successful company, does real estate, construction, brilliant at what he does. He said, no one ever told me. And then the dot-com crash comes, a broker comes and he's like, hey, <laughs> we have the best collection of tech stocks for you to invest in and they lose all of his money because they, they weren't properly hedged. Mm -hmm. No stop losses were there. So mitigate the risk. And then, as you said, do your own research. You don't have to believe anything that I tell you. If you go look at Microsoft for the last 20 years, they have been on an incredible run. Another investment mistake that I made, I didn't invest in Apple early enough. Yep. I had an Apple computer when I was 12 years old. I'm old and I'm 36 now. Listen, he's not the best advisor ever. Forrest Gump told you to invest in Apple and it did pretty damn well ever <laughs> since the movie came out. Like there are clues that are there if you look at a 10 year or 20 year chart. If you see that it's green and just going up, that's a great company to buy. Yep. But I hate in our country, that this is not talked about at a first or second or third grade level. There's no reason kids should be playing basketball and football first through 10th grade, but don't learn about money until they're 24, 25. It's, yeah. it's a travesty to me. Exactly. I'll tell you a little quick story, Ian. It said I had five nieces and given that I'm still young, I haven't had children yet, but when I grow up, I'm promising myself I will. But I have, I have five nieces and one of them many years ago asked me, like, how could I become rich? You know, well, how does investing work? And yeah. she and I sat down at the computer and I started trying to show her the power of compound interest and all of that, like you were explaining yeah. to your dad. And then eventually it turned into a book that I wrote called How to Start Building Your Wealth Investing in the Stock Market. And that book's on Amazon and is available around. And, you know, that kind of Everyone information. Everyone copy, please. Yeah. That yeah. kind of information wasn't really available when I was growing up. And also the instruments weren't available, an ETF or a passive yes. fund. But the point is when my nieces all turned 18, I gave them each $3,000. And then I basically helped them set up. And in that case, they opened up a Vanguard account. And I said, look. Just think of this as one way. You just keep contributing to this. Yes. And now they all five of them have investment accounts. They have different levels of interest in it. But the point is, it doesn't matter whether you're interested or not. You need to invest for your future. And so, Absolutely. yeah, that's amazing. And so one that's the greatest office ever. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah, exactly. I remember some of the cool things my uncles did for me too. So, but they never did that. So, but I thought that's the best thing I could give as a financial professional to them. But the point is, you know, obviously you are experienced in what the type of trading that you're doing. I'm experienced in my investment style in Asia and that type of thing. But the reality is, is that there's tons of people out there who can benefit from just building exposure to a passive fund. And think about it, Ian, how much we could really change lives if we could go to, let's just say, a mother who's divorced and raising a kid, you know, and the struggles that she's going through already. Yeah. But if she could understand that just that 100 bucks a month or whatever that is built into a passive fund, just could guarantee that their son or daughter could make it into a good university. Just that. Yeah. We don't yeah. have to be rich. Just how do we make sure that my son or daughter makes it into a good university? I think, Ian, I think we got a mission there. <laughs> yeah, everyone needs the help. And even in marriage, number one cause of divorce is money. Number one stress for parents is money. I mean, I love my four-year-old. He's going to be four, but man, he is expensive. <laughs> it adds up. And then 
fortunately I have, I mean, even from a trading perspective, like I started off as an investor. So I always tell everyone, like you said, with Vanguard, the fees are non-existent. Mm-hmm. Just start there buy any Vanguard fund and just hold it. And I ask every entrepreneur and person that I meet, I said, okay, if I can get Apple or Netflix to give you money in your business, would you take their money? Everyone always says yes. Then I turn around and say, are you invested in Netflix? No, I'm like, you've had a subscription for 14 years. <laughs> like, like I was getting Netflix DVDs in college. Yep. And I look back and I'm like, if I had that same 10 grand and knew to where to put it in Netflix, it'd probably be worth four or five, 600,000 now. So I definitely yep. love that mission of just what you're trying to do and what you're doing and telling yep. people how to invest, especially long-term. Do not start trading until after you have your long-term retirement stuff set up, please. Yep. So let's wrap this up by saying what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? In other words, they're in the exact same situation you are in. What advice would you give them? If you do nothing else and listen to no other piece of advice that I give you, please put some money into the market every month. The big issue I should have been able to have my own 100 grand or even 50 grand to put in. And if I would have had someone tell my dad when I was two or three, like how Xander is now, to put some money away, I would have been able to go into my own account and invest on my own behalf. So start with a small amount. I don't care if it's 75, 100, 250, start there, put the money in every month, and then you will have the financial freedom that you want. And yes, even in a down market, especially when we hit a recession in a couple of years, buy more. Amen. All right. Well, I think that's great, actionable advice. So let's wrap up with the last question, which is what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? To be more balanced. I mean, if I'm going to be very candid, these last three years have been tough and the pursuit of doing better, making more money, health has suffered. And then also being a new parent. So my thing is just balance. The money is fun, but if you die, I'm going to tell you personally, I've had 14 family members die in 17 years. At no funeral have I ever thought about business. Not once. I didn't care about a chart, long term, short term. It doesn't matter. Take care of your health. That's the most important thing. The money will be there. It will come, especially if you're investing automatically in a passive fund, but take care of your health. Yeah, I love that. And I know one of the things that changed me a long time ago is I just decided every single morning I'd get up and walk to the park. Just that's a get huge out, difference to just the day. Get out and move. That's yeah. it. Doesn't take a lot, particularly in the beginning. So, all right. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Ian, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you again for having me on the show. I greatly appreciate you. I love all the past guests. So yes, you guys go listen to every past episode so you don't make the dumb mistakes that I made and that the other guests made. I appreciate you so much. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, but most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.